Welcome to Watch Party Wheel of Time. I'm your host, Ruark, joined once again by our panel. Say hello, panel. Hello. Hello, hello, panel. Uh, Joining us today, we've got David. Choose to live. Greg. Live to choose. Axel. Hello. ICDW. Chew on liver. Siobhan. (laughs) Hey, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Siobhan is also with us. Thank you for... Siobhan. And uh, joining us tonight is a special guest, my spouse, Madeline. Liver choose live. I don't know. Hello. (laughs) Liver let die. Liver let die. Yeah, there you go. Speaking of liver let die, we're all drinking tonight. Yes, yes, we are. Uh, This is kind of our end of season show spectacular. We're having a wrap party, which means uh, we're all having a a few to tip back more than usual as well. So uh, just sit back and enjoy it. Uh, I asked my spouse, uh, Madeline, to join us tonight because Madeline's been doing a lot of the stuff behind the scenes, uh, helping me run the Twitter account, uh, helping me watch the episodes multiple times over and over and listening to my ranting and theorizing uh, before you guys have to deal with it. So uh, I I thought that that Madeline might want to join us for this episode. Thanks for having me. Yay. Yay. Fantastic. And uh, another thing that I realized, uh, we, we, we figured this out when the, the show first started. Um, with the exception of DW, everybody else on the show I actually know through Madeline. So it's true. I, I think this goes to prove who is the better person in, in this relationship. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe just the more yeah. outgoing one. Yeah, the more social. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, this episode, I just wanted us to look back on on this season as a whole and and uh, just throw some ideas out there, throw throw some some uh, things that we want to chew on a little more and, and and think about and digest and 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 you know maybe some games, some fun and and let's just kind of have fun. It's it's a it's a season wrap party. Um, Siobhan, I know you said you had some some ideas that you wanted to discuss, so uh, I'll let you go first. So I, I tried to rewatch the whole season. I made it through the first five episodes before I ran out of time. And I was putting together a list of all the mysteries that have been presented over the course of the season and which ones we think we have an answer to. Mm-hmm. So um, I remember when Tam first drew his sword and fought the Trollocs, we were all saying, oh, maybe he's an ex-warder. <laughs> and uh, so we got his origin story when we got the story of Rand's birth. But there's a whole bunch of other things that we haven't resolved yet. Um, Tom, for example, are we Mm -hmm. going to see him again? And what's his story? Um, I would really like to see Tom come back as a character. Yeah, I know. I know. uh, DW is a big fan of Tom. Um, Um, I'll I'll go ahead and answer that question. Yes, Tom will be returning. Absolutely, yes. Tom. Will be. Yeah, right. Um, Tom is too good of a character not to be returning, and and I'll I'll go ahead and say this: uh, there are a, a what is it, a hundred and forty something characters who have a point of view chapter in the books, and something like eighteen hundred named characters in the books. So they're not going to be able to get to all of those characters. So I'm pretty sure if you see a character on screen and you hear their name assume that they're going to be returning because there are a lot of characters here and and they're not going to waste their time naming and and bringing in somebody that's not going to come back at some point. So that means we're going to see loyal again. And Uno. And Uno. Yeah. 
Because I, okay. I, w- I have to admit, I am a big fan of Loyal. <laughs> I'm a big fan of Loyal. I'm, I'm not sure we'll see Loyal again, but I am looking forward to meeting Moro Gear. Rurik will be hurting the showrunners if they don't. Yeah, I'll I'll spill the beans on this one. Uh, Rafe Judkins, the showrunner, came out immediately after the episode aired and said, yes, Loyal will be returning next season. Loyal is not dead because I I, I think he heard the the mob (laughs) at at his door. Do you know that Loyal? And there are millions of answers cried out. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks to his post, we're suddenly silenced. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> uh, go ahead, Siobhan, your, your next item. Um, I didn't have a lot. I had um, So Nynaeve's origin story. I mean, we know she mm-hmm. isn't originally from two rivers. How did she get there? What happened to her parents? The, the fact that her parents were killed is, is hinted at in the story. Um, and it seems like it's something she witnessed, too. <clears throat> yeah. So, and, I don't know what's um, going on there. Heron and Matt, I mean, they obviously have some kind of abilities. Um, they thought Matt was a channeler because he had the the dagger, but it hasn't been ruled out that he has some kind of magical abilities. And Perrin's got this wolf thing going on that nobody seems to be familiar with. Like, is this the first time this yeah. has ever happened? So just some, some stuff like that. Uh, so... I told you guys before uh, you came on the the episode tonight that if you had questions, I would absolutely answer them. Um, I'm going to answer any questions that, that you still have outstanding to the best of my ability without spoiling it whatsoever, which in some cases may be no answer at all, but talking in circles. But, you know, time is a flat circle anyway. So, Well, but one of the things <laughs> you can you can help us with, I think, and that's what I, I, I take value in this, and I, I think I speak mm-hmm. for other members of the panel for, is you can at least also tell us if that's something that we're going to hear an answer of, or if we're going down a completely out of the norm rabbit hole that, no, no, yeah. don't even bother. No, that's not something. Unless the show decides to make that something that wasn't in the books, and, which is and, you know. There are times that I have told you guys, no, you're going down a rabbit hole and I'll just yep. cut you off because I know that that rabbit hole could get really deep. Um, but there are other times that you've gone down a rabbit hole and I'm like, you know, that's really interesting. And I never even thought of it that way. And I want to see where you're going to go with that. I mean, I know it's wrong, but still there's there's something to be mined there, even if it's wrong. You know? Yeah, I hear you. Um, but uh, um, I'm sorry, what were the questions that, that were in that, Siobhan, that, that I was going to answer for you? Um, well, I mean, basically, I was, just, I was just putting together a list of things that we don't really have an answer for yet. Yeah. And those answers might come up in the story. Oh, but, oh it was uh, uh, Perrin and Matt I was yeah. going to address. Um, I will say that you will absolutely get answers to both Perrin and Matt. Um, I, I get the feeling they did not focus on them in the first season because, you know, you have a lot of main characters in this show, so you, you've got to spread out their backstories a little bit. Um, so I'm, I'm guessing we're going to get more Perrin and Matt in the next season. So the other thing I did want to ask you, since I've got the talking stick, is... <laughs> <laughs> so that's what they call microphones in Canada? Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> is I... So there's different kingdoms that part, that much I got because you have the the southern kingdom is obviously a monarchy. Mm-hmm. But I'm not entirely clear on the government structures in other parts of this um, universe. Uh-huh. So the Aes Sedai appear to be 
um, an authority. And I don't know if it's just like they're religious figures or they also have secular authority because the white cloaks are operating right outside their door and whoever's in charge of that um, land or kingdom or whatever doesn't yeah. seem to have a problem with the fact that the white coats are going around kidnapping and, and assaulting people on the roads. Um, so I can clear some of that up for you a little bit. Uh, the area where the, the white cloaks were seen is um, between the, the Carolyn grass, which was where the, the uh, Tuathwan were, and the area around the two rivers, uh, which is technically a part of Andor, but has not seen a tax collector in generations. So, you know, it's not really a part of Andor as far as most people are concerned. Um, so because of that, the white cloaks can kind of operate in those areas with impunity. Um, and the Carolyn grass actually goes right up next to Tarvalon. Tarvalon is just the island itself. So beyond the island, the, the Aes Sedai actually claim no authority. Um, their authority is similar, like uh, um, the Catholic Church and the Pope. Like you know, the Pope had at one point in time had authority pretty much over. You know, he could call any king he wanted, and the king would come. And and you know, the king might hate that the king was coming, but that king would come. To take it into a fantasy sci-fi realm, is it similar to like the Jedi Council, where? You know, the, the heads of planets have some respect, but people can also defy the Jedi Council. And yeah, and, yeah, 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 something like that. Absolutely. Yeah. So who's Andor? Because okay. I don't know if that's been explained. What, what um, country and, is that? Yeah. Um, I'm, and is it I'm, anywhere near if then? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, one of our off season episodes, uh, I was planning to go through kind of the geography of the area and give some background on some of the other countries around and, and kind of, I, f I figured in the off season, I could give you guys a, a basic tutoring that would bring you up to a level of the average person that lives in this world, just just knowing some basic things. So, You'll help us understand where Westeros lies in relation to this. Ab absolutely. Because <laughs> I was pretty sure at that final episode, when the ships pulled up, I was going to see Arya Stark get off. <laughs> the ultimate crossover. <laughs> that would be hilarious, actually. Um, and, and I'm glad that you brought those ships up. Um, I want to I want to hear your theories about the Sean Chan. Um, you've had a week now since that that kind of surprise showing of the Sean Chan to kind of digest them. And I want to I want to know what crazy ideas you've come up with. So Ooh. my first reaction was this a hostile invasion force. Yeah. Okay. That, that's kind of what I got too. I mean, there's definite, you know, magic use there. Uh, it's not the same sort of society as the Aes Sedai. Uh, so there's a completely different philosophy behind it probably. And little to no compunction to use it as a weapon. Mm. Well, I, the thing that was burning in my head is trying to understand um, from maybe like a relation to historical or relation to war tactics, there's usually a reason for an invasion. And mm -hmm. one of the things that I start wondering as I'm listening to this and, and, and or as I was watching that was all right, we know that this is an outside force. Clearly, they don't treat the magic users the same way that the Aes Sedai do. Is that part of why they're invading? Do they have some feeling of a claim to the land that these people are on, that they're finally returning home? Is it, you know, it, they've intruded and this is a strike back? It, like, mm. what are we going to find is the reason for the conflict 
which can sometimes, as a lot of these shows will do, storytelling wise, you know, books will do, um, there'll be a reason where you're like, oh, they're invaders. And then suddenly you learn, oh, wait, in their eyes, they're not invaders. They're actually good people who are defending their own reasons for existing or something like that. Though the slavery angle does not give them a great, like, yeah. good guy yeah. vibe. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't, um, it doesn't give them a good a hard eh in yeah. probably being a good guy. But I am waiting to see what their story is. Yeah. I get the impression from their ships that they're a naval country in general. So then that begs the question, are they the Englands of the world or the Portugals of the world? Where they actually come from oh. a different continent or do they come from the same continent, but they are moving up and transporting their troops because they're a naval country. Mm. Yeah. Interesting, interesting thoughts. With, uh, going on that thought, the thing that I would point out was they, they noted their ships were going missing, which leads me to believe that either they didn't know about these ships or they had a suspicion that these guys were coming back, but it doesn't feel like they're on this same landmass. Yeah, I get because the impression that kind there. of stuff would be also also handled land wise, especially if they're a military. We know the military moves through the, the land. We've heard about soldiers traveling through towns and stuff like that. So if it was something that could also be gotten to via land, there would be an army marching on them right now. I have a feeling that this is coming aquatically because that is their only approach. That's just my theory. That's what I get also is that they're from a different continent. Yeah, element of surprise, and they've definitely got the, they've got the the, the mass, the you know there could be troop transports. Who knows? Yeah. Um, so, what do you think about the design uh, around the Shanshan? Very yeah, aboriginal, cool. like native people with the war paints and things like that. Yeah. Hmm. I, I wonder if maybe it's a, a displaced peoples, like they were original to the, the continent and then got pushed out to to sea or to an island or something, and now they're coming back to retake their lands. Hmm. Oh, that's interesting. Or maybe the original rulers of the land during the time of legends who have returned. Yeah, maybe. Hmm. Yeah, I didn't really see much in the architecture and the the flashback uh the beginning of the the last episode to the age of legends that would that would kind of pull me in that direction like i didn't see you know specific color schemes or uh any sort of architectural details that might you know might yeah. bring me into that i got a real viking vibe out of them they're oh, going to say that too they're invaders. All the little, the horns on the ships, all the little spiky, spiky pointy things that, 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 uh, doesn't sound like we come in peace. So the, the kind of like tiger head, um, on the front of the ship, did anybody notice that they had three eyes? Ooh, no, no, no I, I didn't. Notice the three I eyes. just watched that episode right before we started. <laughs> well, now that you know that it has three eyes, does that, uh make you think from a land with three eyed tigers (laughs) they've got an extra eye of the tiger i thought the makeup looked sort of aztec yeah i would agree with you on that especially the the bolts that were like closing the mouths felt very much uh like maybe south american interesting Mm. uh so i'll tell you that in the books uh their armor is on always uh um 
described as being very insect-like. Um, so do you feel like that came across in, in their, their design at all? I didn't, I didn't really catch that. Um, I didn't notice that. I would say didn't see enough to be able to say yes or no to that. Yeah, that's like, probably more the case. Yeah, uh, a little Matt, bit of a scarab kind of feel to it now that you mention it, but that's, you know. I do, I do remember um, there was one shot where you could see some of the women from the back and they had, it almost looked like a cobra hood. Um, oh yeah, yeah. The back of the headpiece. It looked like layers of scales going down. Madeline, you've you've actually read the books. Um, what did you think of the the Sean Chan design as uh, having n- known them beforehand? Well, I was hoping for more insect like than I saw. I'm hoping we'll see a bit more of that. Um, the the um, armor is often described with bright colors and I didn't see that so I was looking forward to seeing that so I'm hoping that we'll get that with the, the sort of enameled reds and orange greens and stuff that we talked about you saw a lot of reds and blacks and kind of maybe some oranges but not a lot of bright colors there I wonder to Siobhan's point if they're taking that insect and running with the scarab motif and going more of an Egyptian style setup of course yeah, that would that- that would have blues in it, and I don't think we saw any blues there. No, there were definitely greens and greens and reds, um, gold, um, black, white. Yeah, you know, interesting. Which you know, like full TV fantasy is incredibly colorful because it's not brown. That's true. Yeah, very good point. Uh, DW, you have something. Well, going on what Madeline was saying and what you've been saying, um, you you both have been mentioning the armor. And I don't know, both from what we saw and the fact that they're on boats, so they wouldn't necessarily be wearing their armor. Yeah. You know, they're, they're not at the point that they're heading into those kinds of battles. So we may see a set of armor that fits what you both are talking about. And especially since they weren't, uh, you would mention, I don't remember if it was before we started recording or, or after, you would mention something about them being like troop transports they're sending a giant wave to a beach that is not occupied except by that apparently super powerful little girl. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So other than them taking out that super powerful little girl, this seems like they're just sending a warning or like, is this, is this a uh, a notification we're here shot? Cause you know, a wave like that is going to go inland a bit, but we don't even know if there's a major town on the other side of that Ridge. Like we don't know what they're throwing that wave at other than saying, knock, knock. And so I don't get the feel of those ships about to pull onto harbor or pull onto land and open up and troops run out. This is yeah. a little bit like you should send an envoy out to meet us. We've knocked on the door. It's time. Yeah, and that can't be the whole armada. You know, that that's that's just a <laughs> that's their welcome party. You know? <laughs> but, you know, 15, 20 ships that have, you know, people that can create tsunamis. What was that uh, knock knock? Who's there? Interrupting wave. <laughs> Interrupting wave. <laughs> <laughs> Interrupting wave. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. See, we didn't see the waves land. Now we're going to see the little girl just like wave her hands, and the whole wave go back and sink the fleet. That's the beginning of the next season. Sorry she's to ruin a, that for everybody. I know she's exactly no Aquaman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The fleet just disappears, and that's the last we ever hear of them. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so they, were, they, they weren't the, uh, the Sean Chan, they were the MacGuffins. Yeah. 
So uh, just going into next season, uh, anybody have any crazy theories uh, about your favorite character or where the story's going next season? Uh, uh, where's Rand going? Ah, that's a tough question because, uh, you know, just watching that, he was just walking through the blight towards nothing, it looked like, yeah. you know, just canyons in the distance. And, you know, that's a, that's, a, that's a weird place to go walk the earth and have experiences and adventures. There's nobody there. You know? Based on his yeah. whole decision to like that I am the dragon and to go in there and face and everything like that. I went on a, in my last rewatching of everything, I went on a all things Rand tried to focus on. So like I rewatched specifically when he was recognizing that he had channeled and several of the times he channeled, it didn't start white and slowly turn black. It was black right away. Um, specifically the, uh, the moment when he was um, uh, protecting, no, no, not the protecting. I think it was the door. I think it was the door. Um, but, uh, but, I just kind of going back on what we don't know. We don't, we, we know that his mother was an amazing fighter. I missed being able to talk on that episode about watching a pregnant woman going through labor, labor pains, beat the hell out of people was impressive. And yes. watching her, the, the, from an, f as an actor, that performance was amazing to watch because you could see the moment of ferocity and the moments of pain yeah. and the 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 protect child uh like thought process that was going on as well as the whatever the battle was i'm here for it and i'm gonna fight it was impressive so we know he comes from fighting stock i mentioned in a previous episode about how um he we don't know his father and like I, I'm fine if his mother is the most impressive part about him. I'm just noting that the um, person who met him in the well was making a lot of references. Of, oh, you don't even know who your father is, which leads me to think that there's going to be something regarding his father. But I also watched his conversation with the uh, Oracle, um, the, the lady in the bar, and she doesn't answer a lot of his questions. He answers them for her. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And that leads me to a lot of questions, especially the person that he's believing most having told him he is the dragon reborn were the voices he heard, which everyone told you don't believe the voices you hear in right. those pathways. Right, and right. that's the voice that told him he's the dragon reborn. Right. So I'm not saying that I don't think he is the dragon reborn. We're going to see some twist in that way. But I definitely don't think it's as black and white as they've laid it out because of how much of his story. He's clearly somebody impressive, has an access to the to the um, source. Um, like, and, and even the Oracle says there was something impossible about this birth. Um, Tam was protecting him like there's a, a cause which would suggest like, did Tam know if he is the Dragon Reborn? Did Tam know or know that something was amazing about this to have made the pause and decide to switch? I can't wait to hear the end of or the, the more on that story what Tam's motivations were to suddenly stop fighting and help deliver this baby. Um, but yeah, I think there's, there's so much in that series that they laid out that Rand lays out as this is fact. And when you go back and watch, it's like, yeah, but he decided that's fact. That's right. Yeah, I, I get don't the know that it is. I get the impression. We're going to have a lot of introspective conversations with Rand and himself in the, the first few episodes of the next season. 
Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I'm I'm fully <laughs> expecting visions and dreams, and he's uh, all said, of that. He said that he felt the madness, so he's going to be out there by himself dealing with that. And Fireface was visiting everybody in the dream, so I'm kind of curious to see Fireface face off against some of the others in a more in-person uh, conflict like we saw with Rand. It'd be interesting. Or does he give up on them because he thinks that Rand is the one now? Okay, so I think I will use this opportunity to butt in with uh, um, a change of topic, um, something that I wanted to explain to you all that we're close we to d- something that we didn't get to <laughs> or yeah, somebody yeah, had corpse DW and we've just got to put him back um, in the bottle. So I was hoping that they were going to cover in, in the show what Dragon Mound actually is um, because the story of what Dragon Mound actually is, is the prologue of the first book. Thank you. Oh, I asked about that. Yeah. yeah. Um, you don't realize that's what that story is. And usually until like your, your first reread. Um, but that's what that, what the prologue is. I was really hoping they were going to use it as one of the cold opens, but they didn't. Um, they might still do it at some point because I mean, it would be a really, really cool cold open, but I'll go ahead and just, uh, spill the beans now because it contains some, some information that I feel like is really necessary, um, for season one. Um, Dragon Mount is the world's largest gravestone. Um, and, and, and the, the grave is exactly who the mountain is named for Dragon Mount. It is where the dragon died. Um, and how the dragon died, uh, we, in, in one of those, uh, animated episodes, they talked about the age of legends and the dragon and the dragon going mad and killing his entire family and the dark one coming around and curing the dragon's madness so that he understood what he had done. The part they didn't say was the continuation of that, which is in that moment of understanding what he had done he pretty much went completely mad in a completely different way. And he opened himself up completely to Sidene. And the dragon was at that point in time, the most powerful Chandler that had been known. So he burned himself out in the most spectacular way possible, which was like, there was a bar of fire that came from the heavens went straight through him and pretty much to the core of the earth and a mountain spewed up in the place where he stood. And that Iconic. is what, that is what dragon Mount is. So the fact that Rand was born on dragon Mount is further, I, I'm going to call it a herring. I won't say whether the herring is red or not, but is a further <laughs> herring of him being the dragon reborn since he was born on the gravestone of the, that's, that's complicated. It's a guffin, kind of awesome. maybe not yeah. a guffin. Could be a Scottish so, guffin or I mean an English guffin instead. Yeah. <laughs> an Irish guffin. It's an O guffin. Siobhan, you, you look like you have some thoughts on this. You're, you're grinning. I don't have any way of articulating them yet, though. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so here's the thing. They go very much into Rand's origin story. But like I said earlier, we still don't know much yet about the powers that the other four have. So maybe everybody yeah. else also has an interesting origin story that we just haven't seen yet. 
Nynaeve was born on the other side of Dragon Mount at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) Nynaeve is the most interesting possibly one. Hey, Dragon Mount's a big mountain. There's there's room for all people to get born without seeing each other, you know? That's true. It could be (laughs) on another... Another country, you know. Yeah, you have Everest. no idea how many people were actually born on Dragon Mount that day. It was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Not as crazy as nine months earlier on Dragon Mount. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's another book, though. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I mean, there's there's obviously the the story the as it stands now, the show wants you to invest in Rand as. The dragon, but it's also a fifteen book series, and I'm yeah. convinced it's not that simple. And when I don't know that they're necessarily going to drag it out. Like to to your point, Siobhan, they're dragging I don't it think, out. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh. negative yeah, totally one from that. the crown. Um, no, the the uh, like we learn Harry Potter's the chosen one early on. We learn that you know. Uh, the different people, different saviors from different stories are that early on. But I also know that that this book has has been uh, given credit for being something that maybe used some of the tropes in the beginning and then broke from them. So not letting us know or changing things up later on seems like it could be completely within the wheelhouse. And that wheelhouse reference is on purpose. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna have to call You're this gonna... the pun episode. <laughs> exactly. I think DW extremely pun. Anybody else have any thoughts about that info from Dragon Mount? One, one last one on it. Oh, um, okay, okay. Yeah. Where, where is Dragon Mount in relation to Two Rivers? How far did Tam go with this baby? Uh, so Dragon Mount is right outside of Tarvalon. Um, Dragon Mount overlooks Tarvalon. If you stood on the the rim of Dragon Mount, you would look down at Tarvalon in the river below it. So essentially a month's journey. Yeah. Walking. Yeah. But he did go to the city first. Uh that, that was one of the things that, that the seer saw. Uh that he did take the baby into Tarvalon. No telling how long he was there before he went to the two rivers, you know. Yeah. Um, and I can give you a little bit of history on that. The the blood snow, which is what that battle uh, where Brand was born is referred to, um, that was also known as, as – that was part of the Battle of the Shining Walls, which was a battle against uh, the Aiel outside of Tarvalon um, about 20 battle years ago. With who? Do, do we know with who? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll get that to that. something that we need to learn? I'll, I'll get to that here. Um, okay. The, the uh, four – I want to say four clans of Aiel came over the Dragon Wall, which is a mountain range to the east. Um, it's it's just a, it's called the Spine of the World or the Dragon Wall, and on the other side of it is where the Aiel live, and nobody goes there. Um, four clans came over the the Dragon Wall, and just nobody was sure why, but they started going to war with just about everybody, and. Um, so all of the nations uh, pretty much kind of came together. Like we, if we don't come together to fight them, we're screwed. So we have to put aside our differences. Everybody fought against the Aiel. Um, and at this battle, the battle of the shining walls um, shortly thereafter, the Aiel just turned around and went home. And nobody quite understood why they didn't know why they came. They didn't know why they left, but that that's kind of the story of that how Tam was there in that battle and afterwards how he, you know, pretty much gave up his commission, like, well, the war's over, I'm done, I'm going back home, kind of thing. That explains I'm a lot about find out. 
not knowing the culture of the IEL and and how what Tom is saying about everyone not understanding the IEL is because they're fully separated from these countries that we know in this side of that mountain range. Yeah. But I also get the feel that Tom has probably spent some time among them to know their traditions and their burial and all of that stuff. So Tom, Tom's got some stories to tell. Or at least one of them that's come over and is the odd man out. So do we get to experience more of Aeol culture? Is that just like this little throwaway character or we actually spend some time there? Uh, oh, well, can I, can uh, I ask a, yeah. Let me ask a question to the panel. <laughs> we asked earlier, Ruach asked earlier, what do we think Rand is going to do? What has happened to Rand in that last episode that might tell us something about what he might do? Now, I'm not basing this on the books because, first of all, it's been a very long time since I've read the book. Second of all, this this TV show is changing so much that it doesn't really matter. <laughs> <laughs> well, he found I mean, out it, that he is Aiel. Did did he though? Really? There was <laughs> there was talk of it, but you know he he. It was shown to us, but not necessarily to him. Well, if Loyal says that he's Aiel, and then he gets this thing about, oh, yeah, well, Tam's not your father. I think you right. can put two and two together there. Yeah, it's just not exactly spelled out for him. So I, no, I don't but, know if he but actually But it does make sense for a possible it. quest to find your father. Yeah, That's absolutely. true. He, he could be heading to uh, wherever the Aiel are from. Aieland, I don't know. If he knows that. To answer your question about, are we going to learn more about Aiel and Aiel society, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yes, absolutely. And it is going to be my absolute favorite part of everything that, that happens in this show. So <laughs> well, I wonder why. People. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, they are 1000% my people. Um, gotcha. Yeah. So we're, we're, we're going to know more about the Aiel. Um, and, uh, moving on from from that information about Dragon Mount um, and and your thoughts about that, I'm just go ahead and I'm going to pop the bubble right now. Yes, Rand is one thousand percent the Dragon Reborn. Okay. Um, they Aww. so much for Team Voltron. Dang it. <laughs> yes. uh, so, but but that being said, what Padden Fain said at the end of that episode is also very true. He might have the title, but all of them have a role to play. So, you know, so, so team Voltron still lives. You know, the one is not going to succeed without the rest. We know so who the head is now. The head. I still <laughs> wonder again about the whole horn thing. And so now it, they, that would suggest though, based on that, that it does need to be Rand to blow the horn since it's supposed to be blown by the dragon. But it says that it's going to bring back the souls. And I, I still am not completely turned away from the idea that that might awaken souls within people we already know rather mm -hmm. than just cause people who don't aren't in the story to come back the, the, the hidden cylon theory yep yeah. that horn's gonna play all along the watchtower yes sir <laughs> Um, so yeah, I, I wanted to bring that up because it's going to be really hard to talk about, um, a lot of things in the off season without just getting that out there because, gotcha, gotcha. um, you know, I cannot talk about the differences between the book and, and the show without it being obvious that Rand is the dragon reborn because in the book, it's pretty obvious from, you know, chapter three that he's, he's the one, but 
Do you think that they did a good job of kind of letting it sit and seed with people or would yeah, you rather no, that have been clearer? No, actually I was loving it all, all through the season. Um, I loved you all trying to pick up on, on little clues here and there and me seeing the red herring clues that they were throwing out going, Oh, that, that is totally a, a red herring. And, and then hearing you guys just jump all over the red herring the next, <laughs> next recording. And you know, so that was a lot of fun. I liked them telling the story a little bit different. I liked everybody getting a little more more um, play at first because really the first book is is all about Rand in 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 the books. Uh, you know, it's like seventy percent of the chapters are from his point of view, so it's pretty obvious that he's he's kind of the hero of the whole show. So the fact that they did not make that obvious in this um, was. It, it, I liked it a lot because everybody does have a very large role to play and, and not all of them got a big role to play right at the beginning of the story. Um, and yeah. Um, and, and, and Rafe Judkins has said that he's, he's adapting the, the story as a whole, not the books individually. And I can see what he's talking about with this season because the the first three books are are written much more like a, a an adventure series, you know, and you saw that here with with kind of the following the Tolkien ideas. Um, but after those first three books, it, it it reads a lot more like Game of Thrones or something or Dune or something like that, you know, with a lot of very messy, very interesting political intrigue going on from all angles and. So he's trying to bring some of that in in the early story and push off some of the adventure to the later story and kind of give more of a balance, I think. And and it's coming across well. I'm 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 I have no issue with the way they're doing it. Cool. Um, but yeah, I, I've noticed. I I I still thought about letting you guys wait until next season to figure out if Rand was the Dragon Reborn, but. Uh, the the showrunners are talking in press saying, oh yeah, Rand is the Dragon Reborn. You know, they don't want people to to keep thinking it's a mystery at this point. So I, I figured I would pop that bubble. It's going to open up a lot more discussions in 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 the off season, I think. So well, that I, I also I do appreciate you bringing things like that because, in all honesty, in trying to avoid spoilers, I'm not watching a lot of the media content. I'm not yeah. watching a lot of the interviews with content uh, with creators or stuff like that. Because I don't want somebody to accidentally drop something or yeah. even a comment in that to be somebody dropping something. So I appreciate you bringing the, the tidbits we can hear to us. Yeah, yeah. I, I've been feeling very much like I'm on Big Brother, like yeah. <laughs> completely isolated. <laughs> yeah, that's very much um, the opposite of the way that I normally watch these kind of shows. I yeah. try to get, you know, as much into it as I can. You know, I'll read interviews with the showrunners and, uh, you know, articles about about it, uh, and I um, don't have that this time. Yeah, and I'm like, same like the new Boba Fett out, you. and I'm I'm reading all sorts of articles on Boba Fett, and I'm I'm looking up old things on him and reading up, you know, and that's how I normally digest a show. Similar, but like a this one, I'm not doing that. I'm I'm so trying to protect because I want to get this story from the show. I don't want somebody else to tell me the story. And and I'm really appreciating that level of of. Uh, just dedication from all of you. I did not expect that at all. Um, I, I think I'll take this opportunity to pivot into the maudlin uh, uh, hug you and tell you all I love you section of, of the show. Um, <laughs> we love you too. 
Yeah, like uh, so when this when this podcast started, um, it kind of came at me out of the blue. Uh, Michael and Jen, um, who run the Watch Party Lord of the Rings podcast, uh, came to me and they were like, "Hey, we're we're trying to set up a podcast network and." we need somebody to do a wheel of time show. And I was like, I've got a lot of other stuff going on and um, I, I don't know if that I can commit to that. I'm sorry. Uh, but you know, if you want to have me on it as guest, cool. And then they came back to me later and they were like, uh, no, we really want you to do this. And, and we're going to do like all of the behind the scenes stuff. You just have to record a show and, and we'll put it out. And I was like, okay, that sounds doable. That sounds like something I can work with. So put this show together last minute, asked all of you guys to join along with me just with this crazy idea that I had, uh, because, you know, I was thinking, I, I know this story inside and out. There's nothing new in this story that I'm not going to see coming from a mile away. I want to see this story through fresh eyes. And that's, that's why I reached out to all of you, and all of you said yes. And, and some of you just volunteered and said, yes, I, I want to do this. This sounds awesome. <laughs> I did. And, Absolutely. And, yeah, the... The fact that you, I, I thought I was going to have to kind of drag you guys like a, a sack of cats through the season, and yeah. and by by the second or third episode, you guys, you know, you were you were more into it than I was, and and I was loving that. And I and think those of us who've missed episodes genuinely are like, dang it, I can't, it, I, I'm mad that I can't make it. And, and when I had to make those scheduling decisions as, as to who's going to miss the episode, it always it, it was like putting a knife in my own heart because I wanted all of you to be there. <laughs> Yeah, I think Dana and, and I have the perfect attendance awards for this one. Yeah, so far, uh, gold, gold star for both of you. Yay! Um, <laughs> but yeah, the the seeing you all just like get as as into this as you did, it it it's it warms my heart, and and I love you all. Thank you so much for joining me on this journey. Oh, you too. I've been you. having an absolute blast. Absolutely, it's it's greatest fun. part of fandom is being able to share your fandom without having a bunch of hate come back at you. And so right. far it's so, been yeah, perfect. If we're, getting, if we're getting hate, we're just not seeing it because every, <laughs> we're avoiding everything so much. Everything we see is coming through Rourke. We're, we're, <laughs> being filtered. So if there is any hate, then we just don't know about it. Ignorance uh, is bliss. Oh I'm yeah. We're blissful. As, as far as us, we are not receiving any hate as far as the show. It's, it's, you know, you, you it's those, you know, those Star Trek nerds or those Star Wars nerds, the, you know, the, the Star Wars yeah. nerds that we're talking about. Pick, yeah. pick any one of the genres. Every yeah. genre they has all that. Have them. Well, well it, it, it's yep. those guys. Yeah. It, it, it's those guys that are making a stink. Everybody else is loving it. Um, Madeline, you, you had something you wanted to interject. So I've been listening to every episode, like as soon as it comes out and you know, I I will reiterate what Roark was saying. It's been so fun to listen to how excited you all have gotten because you know we are we are on the couch at the you know like three minutes after the first you know after each episode drops, we're sitting down to watch it immediately, and you know so we're just like so into it and so excited, and so to listen to you all do that you know what, what y'all have done and how excited you get and your theorizing and your ideas has been so exciting for me um as well so it's like this taking this journey with y'all has just been incredible and Yay. yeah our number one fan gay <laughs> i probably am yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
and and I want to follow up on that. Um, I actually I, I interact with a lot of people online, um, and in I, I moderate several uh, groups on Facebook, and so I inter- interact with a lot of people there, a lot of podcast listeners there, and uh, a lot of them. What I keep hearing from them is they are book readers, and they are enjoying the series so much more than they thought they would because of listening to us and listening to your views and getting that seeing it with fresh eyes for the first time feeling, which was exactly what I was looking for. So perfect. So the amount of series that I know when people are able to share it either with another generation or with a friend or something like that, and they get to go, they get to have that experience again when somebody passes it on to their child and, you know, shows them Star Trek for the first time or takes them through whatever epic, you know, saga that they held on to and it's their chance to share it. So that makes perfect sense. And it's been interesting for me watching, you know, like any of my social media feeds where I'm seeing everything from people saying what you're saying, how how much they've changed and they don't like it. Or people, one of my favorites is somebody referred to it as uh, the Witcher for children. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Okay. That's perfect. Um, But I'm seeing it run the gamut for whether people like it or don't like it and for there are different reasons, but it's been lovely with what Ruark has shared with us of seeing people who are are enjoying not only seeing those changes and stuff like that, but then hearing somebody who doesn't have the books behind their, uh, their eyes and ears. So they're, they're not having the conflict in their head when they're, when we are exposed to it. And it's giving them the chance to maybe remove that conflict for a moment and see it new and, you know, something that you might not normally get. So I think this is a, a, a great idea you had, Rourke. And I, I think more, I think you're actually going to see people steal your concept and do this for <laughs> when series like this come out, like having a group of people who've never experienced it is, I think, a really smart idea. And thank you for having us along. Yeah, let's perfect for Lord of the Rings. People who haven't read the books, haven't seen the movies, you know, they're, they're all three of there. them that haven't seen the movies. Well, <laughs> you know, to, to be honest, I've I've seen one and a half of the movies. I've seen the first one, and I've seen half of the second one. So I haven't read a book. So I'm, you know, I remember, and I remember the animated Hobbit, the Ralph Bakshi thing he did yeah. back in the seventies, which. You know, I watched that purely for a technical thing, not so much for a story thing, you know, because I was yeah. like heavy rotoscoping and I'm like, oh, yeah, so that cool. the animation of that is just absolutely amazing. Yeah. Yeah. But I never watched so, the Lord so of the Rings. So essentially what did, you're saying so. is that we need Stephen Colbert to be uh, the Ruark of that podcast <laughs> and that you want a, a chance on it. <laughs> uh, yeah, Only because yeah, Christopher I, I, Lee is no longer available. Yeah, uh, and that should also already create the idea that you know Stephen Colbert got to be on an uh, on one of the uh, Hobbit movies. So that clearly means that Amazon at some point needs to provide Ruark a chance to be on the Wheel of Time. <laughs> I'm just putting oh. that out in the universe. Hey, hey, they're going to need actors when they go playing to IEL. You know? Obviously, yeah, yeah. 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 I, I, I was absolutely playing an IEL. I was going to point out to the production that. That uh, Southern Utah is an exact stand-in for the threefold land. Uh, just, <laughs> just putting that just, out there. Just, just saying. Um, and there, and, there, and there is at least one extra we'll nearby. Travel. Yeah. Uh, so I'll yeah, just, just putting that out there. So uh, yeah, getting back into our discussion. Um, I think I'll, I'll steer out of our drunken revelry for a moment. Uh, we don't need to cry on each other's shoulders anymore. We can take the drunken uh, with us. We, yeah, we we'll we'll we'll, we'll come back to. Yeah. Less I'm sure we'll come back to. Drunk. There you go. <laughs> no, 
I'm sure we will come back to more tears on each other's shoulders at some point. Uh, but right now, I want to bring up some things that I noticed on my rewatch of the series. <laughs> that, DW with uh, the sound effect there. That we did not point out the oh, first yes. time through. The first to- first one is uh, Pat and Fane was in Shotter Logoth. Yes. Yep. I that was wondering was about that subtle. because I heard the whistle on my rewatch. Yeah, uh, I, I had to pause the scene and look really close, but he is in an alcove in that that street scene. So now I'm wondering if he dropped that dagger. Was that his dagger all along and he kind of left it there for Matt to found, find? Oh, um, I'll, I don't get I'll, that feel just because of I think Moraine wouldn't have had the same reaction to it if it just yeah. belonged to Pat and Fanny. I'm 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 gonna cut off that that rabbit hole and and say that, it. No, it, it it was a dagger that was already existing in Shatter Lugoth. I will say that so in this rewatching was the first time I caught Pat and Fanny. You guys were all talking about his reaction in the Trolloc uh, battle in the first episode, uh-huh. and I never noticed it. And I, it took me going back to rewatch to see him in town. So this time watching through as I was as the Trolloc fight began, I'm like, oh, that's right. I got to keep my eye out for Pat and Fate. And just watching him, he doesn't necessarily monitor. And it was enough that you couldn't tell that he was in on it. But it was yeah. the, like the, I'm getting the heck out of here. And he just slips out a doorway. It was like, okay, okay. Yeah, the kind of uh, exit stage left. Uh, yeah. But with a bit of a smile and like a, I was never here. Right, it truly yeah. is the where's Waldo. Like yeah. they've stuck him in just kind of in the background of following him through this whole entire journey. Well, you haven't realized he's actually in every eighth frame too, through the whole series. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Subliminally through every. Uh... Uh, so another thing that I noticed that, that uh, is, is an interesting thing to bring up uh, the, the the five women that were outside of of Faldara that that were part of the link um the first one that burned out um did you notice that that was uh the the woman who was there with Lan uh, when he went to see his adopted family no did not catch that interesting yeah. so adds, adds a little bit of extra gravitas to that scene Ooh. But I did notice in my rewatching of the first episode that that is basically looked like the same spell that Moraine used in taking out the Trollocs in the town before she used the Earth one. Yeah, I was going to use a similar calling down of lightning and take and yeah. it takes some of them out. So it was interesting to see like, oh, so that's what a trained Aes Sedai can do versus this person who has to pull on other people's you know connection to the source to be able to do something similarly. Oh, it's possible yeah. that Moraine trained her while she was at the White Tower, too. Possibly. And, and you know, definitely one of the things it showed is the big part of the training is not to love it so much that, you know, you can't let go of it, which is definitely what was yeah. happening with, with uh, uh, what's her name, Amelisa? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I said, I get the good stuff and they dish out all the... The weaker. She she also needed to hold on to it, at least to the point where she got to Mm -hmm. like start loving it because all the Trollocs weren't gone yet. True. People were burning out and they were still killing Trollocs. So her holding on to it that long was kind of necessary. So there's, there's a difference here in the show from the book. Um, 
I mean, first of all, this whole scene didn't happen in the book, but that's that's not the difference I'm referring to. So this is what um, Matt did. Matt just took out all the Trollocs. On yeah, his own. yeah, yeah. Matt okay. just just stood there and thumbed his nose at them. So when people link together and draw the one power through each other and and use that as a way to amplify their ability to use the one power. Um, in the books, there's a built-in buffer where you cannot force a person to draw more of the one power than they can safely handle. So Interesting. Hmm. clearly well, that is something that they have changed in the show because uh, uh, Amelise was definitely drawing too much through those women and causing them to burn out. So I wonder how, how would that, how would that, uh, uh, uh how, how does that square with the story of, uh, Marathian? No. Manithrin? Yeah. Manithrin. Man- that was yeah. one person, yeah. not multiple people. Though. Yeah, yeah, that was just one person. That, okay, so if it's uh, multiple what, what, people, yeah. there's a buffer kind of thing? Okay. Yeah, what Queen Eldreen did at Manithrin would probably be similar to what uh, Luz Theron did when he created Dragon Mount. He just, you know, just kept drawing it in and using it until she burned herself completely through. Yeah, that that's... So that, that wouldn't be near as much as... As Amelisa used. Yeah. So I wonder uh, if there's a point later where they're going to purposefully reuse that differently than in the books. Like they needed to change that so that later they can take a really important part and make it their own by having that available to them as a, a plot point. Yeah. But in that same vein, they actually made the specific point of the fact that she needed to ask permission to draw it through them, and they needed to agree. Like, there was yeah. a handshake that had to happen, and they made a point that that handshake was important. So I'm curious how that'll play out. That is interesting. Mm. Yeah. Well, we saw Leandrin almost burn herself out in the cave. Yeah, that's right. true. That's very true. If you go back, true, yeah. you start to see the, the fire in her cheeks, and Moraine says, you know, sister, you're, you're going to burn yourself out. She I says, don't I think don't she was drawing through the others, though, at that point. I think she was just pulling uh, she, too she much. Was, she was still drawing through the others at that point, because that was when they were they were, they were gently Oh, they were linked. Okay. She was, she was so kind of fueled by too. rage there, so I'm sure yeah. that had something to do with it also. Um, I, I personally, I, I'm okay with the change. I don't think it's a, a huge lore change and I can see why they would want to do it because it'll add drama later down the line. Um, you know, it, it adds a certain level of drama of who do you trust to lead a circle when you absolutely need to do a circle. If that person could possibly burn you out without your permission. Makes sense. So, you know, that, that, that seems like a good source of drama to me. So, yeah, good. Man. uh, David, you have something. Yeah, that leads right into the one of the points I had to bring to this, which is uh, all of these really incredible aerial shots in this entire show. Oh, uh, yeah. The, the, the ones that I really pointed out were this one. There was the one at the White Cloak camp where they kind of blew in, did a close-up, and then flew back oh, yeah. out. Yeah. And then was there was also the Moraine shot in the first episode where they were doing a a full over the top and you saw lane kind of circling around Moraine fighting Trollocs as she did the magic. And these guys, either they have some incredible crane operators or they have some incredible drone operators. One of the two. Yeah, probably both, probably both that, that, that white cloak one was definitely a drone. Yeah. Uh, and it was just seamless. Many of them, many of the aerial scenes are circles. 
Yeah. You've got how yeah, many of the aerial scenes we have are circles, the mm-hmm. the, the graves, the five mm-hmm. women joined, um, the hall of the Tarvalon. You know, yeah, I know tower. there was one of that hall in the tower, but I don't think it was in the show. I think it was in the trailers that they showed it from up above. I don't yeah, remember seeing couple- it in the show. There were a couple of shots from the trailers that didn't make it in to kind of go off on another tangent. Uh, The the, the scene. Yes. Yeah. But the scene of Egwene uh, coming up out of the water, multicolored water thing that, you know, that, that, that hasn't been shown yet. Yeah. I I actually had that on my list too. Um, One of our listeners, uh, Egg McNoggin actually sent that one in (laughs) and wanted us to discuss it. So uh, I'm glad that you brought that up. And shout out to Egg McNoggin for one of the best usernames. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Handle of the year award right there. Yeah. (laughs) Calling it, even though it's January 2nd, as we take it. Uh, so yeah, Ig McNoggin had that, uh, and, and you were saying something about, uh, about the, the missing scene, Greg. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we haven't seen Egwene coming up through the water with all the multicolored things. It, it seems like it's, it's, a, it's sort of a combination of the wisdom ceremony and the, uh, or the, the council of women, I guess, and something to do with the Aes Sedai with all the colors, could that have? Yeah. Yeah, there you go. I wonder if they make That's it back to Tarvalon at some point in the future, yeah. and that happens. Oh yeah, yeah, she's definitely uh, going to Tarvalon. DW. Well, in mentioning that, one of the things that occurred to me, especially in the second rewatch, there were a couple of things I, I picked up about Nynaeve and her experience, and one is the mention like she is the wisdom for the two rivers. I'm really kind of looking forward to meeting another wisdom. I want to okay. see how Nynaeve compares to what you would expect from a wisdom based on the idea like Moraine mentions that some people don't think she's a very good wisdom or she's too young yeah. to be a wisdom. And so like, I want to see what a traditional so, wisdom is expected to be. So I'm actually glad that you brought this up because one of my notes is what is a wisdom. I was going to give you guys some more background on what a wisdom is um, because in, in previous episodes, uh, in discussions, you were talking about what wisdoms might do and i thought i would clear that up for you a little bit so oh, cool. yes, uh, i please. think yeah so so we're we're so good at this show we're just leading right into each other bring the lore yeah uh so wisdoms wisdoms are just uh you're you're kind of typical wise women they they do herbal remedies they you know they're they're a shoulder to lean on they the you can come have tea with them and discuss your issues and they'll kind of try to give you some life lessons and send you on your way. And, and you know, they're, they're the local medicine woman is basically what a wisdom is. Uh, some of them can do things, you know, they all claim that they can listen to the wind um, and, and tell the weather and things like that. Uh, some of them, as we've seen, like Nynaeve actually can. And that is because she is in tune with the one power. She just doesn't know it yet. Um, wisdoms who can channel are it, it it's more common than channelers in in normal society but that's kind of a self-selecting group you know uh if you can listen to the wind you become a wisdom kind of thing um so a lot of wisdoms might be able to channel they just have not been able to learn from anybody 
about that yet. But wisdoms themselves are basically just herbalists, and and you know the the person you go to when when you're about to have a baby or when you have an infected cut or you just lopped off a limb or whatever. They're the person around town that takes care of that. So the the Dwala midwife, uh, local herbalist, everything from sniffles to syphilis. Exactly. We've, yeah. we've shown that there's different cultures based on different areas of this geography. Is that yeah. across all of the area that the Aes Sedai uh, kind uh, of no, inhabit, or no, not necessarily. The, the, uh, there are similar roles in different lands uh, with different. You know, different titles. Uh, most of them are the same kind of thing, you know, the local herbalist, whatever. Um, there are some areas where they kind of practice more underground because uh, Aes Sedai and anything that reeks of Aes Sedai is, is frowned upon, like in Amadisia, where the White Cloaks are from. So they, they don't necessarily practice out in the open in some of those places. Does the, do the White Cloaks have a feeling about wisdoms? Sorry, Madeline. Uh, uh, the white cloaks, uh, you know, it's a gray area. It depends on the, 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 how crazy your white cloak is. I think, um, you had something to say, Madeline. I think that the, the real world, uh, equivalent might be the hedge, witch idea that, you know, which could be anything from somebody who, you know, depending on the lore that you're looking at, somebody who just makes herbal tea and, you know, puts poultices on your boo-boos to, you know, somebody who does spells and, and that sort of thing. I think, you know, and if you look at how in our world the church handled that kind of thing, I think that's probably going to be very similar to the way that the White Cloaks would deal with wisdoms and equivalent across the land. Yeah, kind of gives yeah. like a voodoo priestess kind of thing. As Madeline and I are both from Louisiana, we're a little familiar <laughs> with that lore. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, but but with the voodoo in the church, there's also sort of that uh, that that hybridization, which is interesting. So that you know, there's a lot of Catholic ritual that is involved in a lot of uh, voodoo ritual. So there's yeah, I mean, there's there's some equivalents there with the uh, the touching of the source and the you know, sort of that, that Aes Sedai, uh, you know, there, there, there's something, there's some connection there. Even closer to home for you and me, Greg, the, um, the, the Cajun Tratures, the, the mm-hmm. healers who were, we? you know, very much doing things within the Catholic church, but also kind of hedge witchery again. My grandmother was one of those. <laughs> yes. Yes. That, 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 that's true. Uh, I was just bringing up the voodoo because it's a little more common knowledge, but yeah, yeah, exactly right. The trachu is, yeah. So then can we assume that not all white cloaks are Aes Sedai hunters in this case? Uh, yeah, yeah. They're still um, fascists. I, I mean, I think any white cloak would try to arrest an Aes Sedai if they saw them, but not all white cloaks are as fanatic as the questioners. They're, they're not all going to sit there and eat birds that cause them to bleed when they watch them. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's a certain niche. Demand <laughs> suckling pig for dinner. Child Valda said as much. He said, um, "You have you have other things to do, but I'm taking my group and we're going to go hunting the Aes Sedai." He yeah. he said that to the to the Lord Captain at one point. Yeah, and in the um, the X Ray 
extra materials in in that scene. It describes the white cloaks enough more to give uh, a more nuanced picture of them. Like it refers to them as having been created to deal with um, the male Aes Sedai after they all went crazy, and they have gradually got more. They've they've broadened their scope into channelers in general because they've stopped believing that channeling itself can be okay. But that's primarily a questioner thing, not necessarily the whole organization. Yeah, um, a little little extra background into the the white cloaks that might help peg who they are as well. Um, they were formed uh, when a a person whose uh, surname was Luther nailed a, something to a, a church door, essentially. Gee, that's uh, <laughs> doesn't familiar. sound familiar at all. Yeah, so <laughs> I knew I mean, Luther was in this universe. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, they, they definitely pull a lot from um, uh, the, uh, the the who are the knights? The Knights Templar. Mm-hmm. Uh, they pull from the Knights Templar. They pull from you know all these these racist tropes that we've we've also discussed, and and you know that is their their origin story. Essentially, is you know uh, their their founder, whose name literally contains Luther. I cannot remember his full name off the top of my head, uh, but he wrote a pamphlet of you know here here's how to find the light, and it's basically this this pamphlet that gets people to join the White Cloaks. Interesting, Madeline. Uh- Another thing that happened is when the White Cloaks talked to Moraine, the, the Lord Commander told Moraine, I don't, you know, we don't like Aes Sedai, but when you go to the city, find an Aes Sedai to heal you. So, you know, so we are getting a little bit of the kinder, gentler White Cloak there. <laughs> There's a spectrum. Yeah, he, he doesn't like them, but he can see their use in some situations, you know. So the White Cloaks have shades of gray. Like yeah. fifty of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's well, another book DW. Oh, yeah. We don't talk of it. Oh, well, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> They've got so the same part at least. So I'm assuming we are going to see more of the white cloaks in the story because they're just too good to waste. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. The, the white cloaks will be coming back definitely for sure. Well, it's not look as if they've been destroyed either. <laughs> No. Yeah. Um, actually, by this point in the books, uh, you actually have not met even Valda yet. You've met like four or five other white cloaks uh, before you even get to the evil that is Eamon Valda. So they they kind of cut through all that and just went straight to Eamon Valda. But yeah, the, the, they play a big role in, in, in everything. Um, well, he's such an intriguing character. So why not like right off the bat, let fans yeah. know this is a villain that you want to watch out for? Yeah. Frankly, most of the white cloaks are villains that you, I, I mean, they are all, all of the white cloaks that get a, a chapter for the most part are, are horrible people, just horrible, horrible people. Uh, Greg, I thought, I think you had a couple more. I had a couple, uh, number one, a, a um, an, an, a clarification. Uh, I had mentioned earlier and was arguing that, the the heron sword could not be the same one because it uh. had a different badge on it. That's on the scabbard. Uh. I watched it again and found that it's on the <laughs> scabbard. I'm an idiot. Don't uh, pay more attention, <laughs> Greg. 
Definitely the same sword. I'm not a sword guy. I got yeah. guitars in my wall. I don't have swords. So. You know, there, there have been a few situations like that in the show where somebody has said something that they are absolutely certain of, and I know that they are absolutely wrong. And I just, I just don't say anything about it because I'm like, it's not worth getting into a little tit tat back and forth argument. I'll just let you be wrong and we'll move on. There's a subreddit <laughs> called "confidently incorrect," and that is me. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> We've got to have confidence. Yeah. Yes. As as long as we're addressing being incorrect, uh, there are a couple things I said in the show that were incorrect. Um, I want to to clear some of that up right now. One Bloomers of them, retraction corner. The yeah. <laughs> uh, one of them, I said that that um, uh, Malkir was to the northwest of Shinar, and uh, I was I was thinking northeast in my head, like on the map in a direction, but my mouth said northwest. Uh, How I just, could I, you? I knew I, that. I know I that there knew is it was the wrong direction. I, I know there is one of those nerds out there that. That is going to bring that up. So, God damn it, Rock. Um, the proof that you are one of those nerds because you caught that you said it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> uh, another thing I want to correct um, uh, 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 somebody that I've, I've chatted with a few times has, has pointed out that I say the word Tuathuan completely wrong. That is, it is Tuatha'an. Tuatha'an. Yes. Every time uh, you say Tuathawan, it sounds like something from like a doa. Say it that way, yeah. though. It, exactly. Which I is why I say it Willow. that way because no, it's musical. Laura, Tuatha Danu, Tuatha Tuatha. <laughs> That's every time. Every time it comes up, all I hear is Willow. Which is why I say that say it that way because it's more musical and doing a full glottal stop like that is very difficult. So I just say Tuathuan, <laughs> and you know if 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 it. Bothers you, Tuathuan, Tuathuan, Tuathuan. Um, yeah. If it bothers you, here, let me pick at that scab. <laughs> um, just lost 10 oh. listeners right there, Rourke. Way to uh, go. Uh, Sweet. We didn't no need him anyway. Us. We didn't want him. I, I, I do also want to be upfront with you about something. Um, in the very, very, very first episode, I. I said something that somebody somebody did actually bring up to me in in conversation. I thought more would, but but one person did. I said something to you that could be read as a lie. Oh man! It, I, I, I said I. A resident I said I. But I, I did say it These in such a way. By Robert Jordan. Yes. <laughs> I said it in such a way that it is plausibly deniable, and I said it that way on purpose. I did not outright lie. I, I said an incomplete truth. Um, and, and, and that was in the very first episode, but I'm not going to say what it was. I just want to acknowledge it before the, the, the hyper nerds go crazy. When it comes up so we can be in on the joke. Too. He's satisfying Ab- his lawyers ahead of time. Yes, absolutely. There, there are so many things from our very first recording session that I am going to take and set aside for when they come up in the show, because there are some predictions from that very first show that are absolutely on point that I can't wait to just pull up the recording and, and, and hear you guys <laughs> talk about the thing bites. that just happened. Yeah. We'll get you yeah. sound bites. I'm, I'm still waiting for chickens and colanders to be explained. Yeah. And I hope they're related. Chickens and colanders need to be related somehow in whatever their explanation is. <laughs> but I know a good portion of you listeners who are fans of the books and got the colander joke, we're waiting to get let in on yep, it. We are waiting the show lets us. desperately. Uh, uh, and we're I was straining out- to know. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Oh. 
that or joke does not hold water. <laughs> and, and I was absolutely, I was absolutely correct on the colander joke. I oh. I got multiple people responding to me saying, "God, that was hilarious." So yes, <laughs> that that I was not in, incorrect in that in saying that. Um, David, did you have anything? That you brought to the to yeah, I, I brought a top five list because everybody loves a list for some silly reason. But um, <laughs> my top five lists are the top five of my favorite weapons in this season. Ooh, from the home office in Tahlequah, Oklahoma. Here we go. No, I live David in Utah. Letterman. What are you talking about, <laughs> man? <laughs> David Letterman. The home office was always in Tahlequah, Oklahoma. Oh, well, go ahead. All yeah, right, yeah. so number five. Yeah, 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 don't don't worry David about Letterman Greg. Nerds are all dying laughing at that joke. <laughs> don't worry David about Greg. Don't worry, Greg, for the next <laughs> twenty minutes or so. <laughs> okay. I'm not gonna have to go put on my Alka Seltzer suit. You know. <laughs> don't worry about Greg. All of his re- references are extremely dated back to the '80s or before. So, if you don't understand it, it just means you're young. <laughs> All right. Exactly. So, yeah. Number so, David, five. You, you had a five. Yes, countdown. Uh, the Heron Blade from our favorite character, who has now been revealed as the dragon. Mm-hmm. Um, number four, Landsword, which is pretty much the same, I've noticed. Yeah. We haven't seen if it's mm-hmm. got a Heron on it, but I wouldn't doubt if it does, because Land's pretty good with a sword. Right. Uh, number three, the Shadar Logoth dagger, because that thing is just intriguing as hell. Oh, yes. it's showing up everywhere. Yep, it is showing up. Uh, number two, Steppen's axes, because, well, one, I love Steppen, and damn it, why did he have to die? And two, because <laughs> yeah. a pair of throwing axes are just the coolest thing ever. And oh, then, so. number one, the best weapons of this season, interrupting spears. <laughs> best fight scene ever. Absolutely. <clears throat> I feel like we should give an honorable mention to Tom's throwing knives, though. Yes, oh, I true. had thought oh, about yeah. that as well because. But the only problem I had with that is one, we don't see it, and two, it is made cooler by the person that wields it, not necessarily the weapon itself. Well, you don't see yeah. it because of the skill of the person that wields it. If you that's see it true. coming, that's, that's true. It's not uh, doing it right. All right, I'll I'll go five and a half to Heron Blade and Tom's throwing knife. There you go. <laughs> DW, you have something to add. Yeah, I was just based on your mention of the there being a Heron Blade possibly on Land's weapon. The interesting thing that just put in my head, literally just now in you mentioning it, is the idea that Tam was a soldier in the kingdom that Lan is from. If that's where the Heron is, then that means that he was somehow involved if they end up both having uh, the Heron. I'll, I'll, I'll clear up all, all the talk about swords right here. Uh, the Heron mark is something that is worldwide. Okay. The, the Heron mark dates to the Age of Legends. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, so it's the good housekeeping seal of approval for swords. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. um, and... Heronmark blades, including the one that Rand now is in possession of, some of them date to the Age of Legends, and they are—they were forged with the power, and they never dull, and they are super, super sharp and super strong. So and you're Valerian steel. It's, Valerian steel, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, it's some, your Hitori Hanzo blade. Yes, that is the Hitori Hanzo blade. 
Uh, other Heronmark blades are just very, very, very well-made blades with a Heronmark put on them because not there are not enough Heronmark blades from the Age of Legends to go around for everybody who is currently a blade master. Um, I will say that, yes, Lan also is a blade master. Um, his, his sword is very similar to to rands they are both power wrought weapons uh his does not have a heron on it but that is because his sword is the sword of malkyrie kings so i i would say that that kind of puts it above just any old random heron mark blade. dude i can't wait for the backstory of that weapon yeah heirloom not 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 off the shelf yeah yeah um i mean it, I, i'll i'll go ahead and tell you it's there's not much backstory it's it's you know, it's it's another power rot weapon. It just happens to be the one that all the Malkyrie kings have had. Man, at least with Hattori Hanzo, we got like the build session and could see the yeah. backstory of those. <laughs> I'm satisfied with the fact that he is carrying around a regal blade. I think that's yeah. freaking awesome. That is true. That is true. Heritage and the fact that like somebody might even recognize that blade at some point as like, wait, ah, you're a king. Like that might actually carry some weight. So that that to me is yeah. I, I, that's enough backstory for me. Yeah, it is so. cool as Valerian steel in Game of Thrones, where it's handed down because you can't do that anymore. It exactly definitely exactly. carries right. that weight. Yet you can't apparently reforge them. Well, not reforge them, but melt them down and create new. Yeah. new well, not everything about Game of Thrones. Which is I haven't great, figured out know? how the hell they did that. Yeah. You know, it's... well, you have a dragon in your your kiln. <laughs> <laughs> The mix of metal is perfect. Doesn't what matter the hell how did you the work Lannisters it. have anyway. Forget it. <laughs> Never mind. So uh, on on the subject of weapons, uh, I had a weapon based uh, thing on my list. I wanted to bring up, and that was Rand and his bow. Why is that idiot walking around with his bow strung all the time? He's ready for battle all the time for some but stupid that's reason. that's not how you treat a bow. No, it and, is and, not. <laughs> that is how you break a bow very easily and, and weaken the string. I would also put forward, they've done a decent job in kind of like my feeling on Hawkeye for, for MCU. There have been times where he'll get one good shot off and then he'll go for the second and somebody will take him out. Because yeah. it's like, that's not for hand-to-hand combat, dude. <laughs> right. Pick up a blade. Well, yeah, I mean, in Hawkeye, you could at least swing it and, you know, knock somebody out with a compound well, and bow. And his is supposedly know. designed to be able to use as a club, too, which I don't think Rand's yeah. is. Uh, actually, they're, they're, you just made a hilarious joke and you don't even know it because uh, Two Rivers longbows in the books but are referred to by many people outside of the Two Rivers as clubs. Really? <laughs> yeah, because they're just these huge pieces of wood. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, long you, you, you just stumbled into a great joke and didn't even realize it. No, I meant it the whole time. Yeah. All on yeah. purpose. <laughs> All intentional. But uh, no, th- this one, I-, I have to say, it bothers me on, on a, like a molecular level because in the books, there is, you know, a long descriptive narrative about why you keep your bowstring in your pocket wrapped in a ball of wax and you only string it when you're getting ready to use the bow and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, as we know, Jordan likes to use words. So that was like 30 pages of of novel. (laughs) And Barney Fife keeping a bullet in his pocket. Yeah. So then to have Rand walk around the entire season with his bow strung like a dumbass, it it just kind of bothered me. But but (laughs) it's out in the open now. I feel better. I I could let it go. They only had they only had eight hours to work with this season. So, yeah. (laughs) And you're missing an opportunity. The the 
description, I mean, not just the description, but the actual visual of watching somebody who knows how to string a bow, string a bow is pretty awesome, in my opinion. Absolutely. And um, it's not easy. Being somebody who shoots, like, I, I, I think it's fascinating the way that you kind of interlock your legs and get the bow to bed and everything. Like, that's awesome to watch somebody do. And you're missing the opportunity of having it be something that viewers might be able to enjoy. Or you kick the bow, which is difficult because you have to know how far to bend it without breaking it. <laughs> It has exactly. some skill to it. Yeah. Speaking of Hawkeye, I remember one one shot from from the current season or from the you know recent season of Hawkeye. Uh, Kate Bishop actually uses the bow to break her fall on one scene. She's like being thrown across you know a rooftop or something, and she uses the bow to sort of break her fall, which is like something you probably would never actually be able to do with the bow. So I think the the bow is sort of entering the uh, the pantheon of, you know, mystical weapons that can do lots of things that they're not supposed to do. Well, I'll also well, put forward that that is a universe that vibranium is a thing. So <laughs> potential that her yeah. bow has vibranium in it, we don't know. The interesting Probably thing not, is because that- at this point, she's not actually, you know, full Hawkeye yet. She's not a young Avenger. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> Longbows are not supposed to be used for accuracy, right? Like, and maybe Axel's trying to make this point: is medieval longbows are used for just brunt force. Essentially, you have a hundred of them thrown into the masses. You don't use that for accuracy, and that's what Rand's kind of trying to carry it around for. Yeah, not even necessarily aimed at. You aimed up and showered down on the opponent, right? Like, yeah, medieval combat in. TV and movies is not in any way realistic. To expect that is, is, is to set yourself up for failure. I mean, you know, let's go to our swords. That's another good one. Swords don't cut things. Swords are thin clubs, right? But in <laughs> yeah, exactly. TV exactly. and movies, they cut. So, you know. Because they always have a blade that can never be dulled by going clink, 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 Yeah, clink, that's clink what's nice about yeah. fantasy or is Rurik mentioned you can't a, be dulled. Oh, no. <laughs> by the magic. On. My biggest pet peeve ever is the fact that you put that metal sword in a leather sheath and it makes a shing sound. <laughs> no. Metal going into leather does not make a shing sound. Coming oh, out of leather, it does not make a the foley artist. Since Fire I have recently foley. learned about scabbards, the top of the scabbard could have a little metal thing that could make that <laughs> you sound. You wouldn't want that because it would apparent... scratch on your blade. You want something soft. <laughs> Not if you want to sharpen it every time you take knife. it out. You know, that, I do that's have a knife like... that has, I have a bayonet that actually has sharpeners. So every time you put the blade in and out of the sheath, it does sharpen the blade. However, yeah. it does not make a shing sound. It makes a <laughs> sound. Hugh <laughs> telling us we're going way pretty, into the weeds on this one. ruined the sound there. I apologize, Jordan. <laughs> okay. And uh, concluding that that episode of Sword Talk, I think uh, we're gonna we're gonna just we're gonna we're gonna pause for a minute, uh, take a bio break, uh, uh, sober up, or get more drunk as the case may be. Jordan, go ahead, throw a, a, a an ad in right here, and we'll be back in a moment. 
This episode is brought to you by Four Cats Boutique on Etsy. That's the number four and cats with a K. Katie and Jordan have some awesome art they would love for you all to check out. They have custom bookmarks, prints, and even these beautiful book page posters that have passages from some of our favorite fantasy series like The Lord of the Rings, A Song of Ice and Fire, and of course, The Wheel of Time. You all really should check out Four Cats Boutique on Etsy and get yourself some bookmarks and amazing artwork. That's the number four and cats with a K. Four Cats Boutique on Etsy. If you're a fan of fantasy, be sure to check out Watch Party's Lord of the Rings podcast. Join Michael and Jen as they delve too greedily and too deep into Tolkien's legendarium in anticipation of Amazon's big-budget adaptation of The Lord of the Rings. They go deep into prior adaptations like Peter Jackson's film trilogies and the 1977 animated adaptation of The Hobbit, and discuss leaks, lore, and potential plot lines for the upcoming show. Whether you're a diehard fan looking for serious analysis or a new fan looking to get up to speed, Watch Party Lord of the Rings is for you. Watch Party Lord of the Rings, part of the Watch Party Podcasting Network. Oh, and wasn't that a wonderful ad, everybody? Yes. Let's, let's <laughs> applaud that. Hey. That is an awesome product and or service. Go buy yes. something from Jordan's Etsy, please. Um, it makes the world go round. Yeah. Uh, so getting back into it, uh, DW, you, I know you had at least a couple more questions to ask, so why don't you throw one of those at me right now? Well, sure. Let's start with uh, the whole idea of what Moraine sees. Um, so like, in, in rewatching and watching her reactions to each of the people as she comes across them, like you see it in the very first episode when right. she looks down at them quieting the first guy you see and she just goes, that's not him. And she continues on. Like, what did she not sense in him that when she went to the town, she senses it in a general sense with them. And I'm trying to understand and trying to factor out, is it a she's going off of what she's read and trying to see if it fits within the prophecies? Or is there something that she's feeling about their touch to the source? Which then again, the fact that Nynaeve can touch the source might, you know, be a thing that confuses her on being able to touch and maybe Perrin's ability also somewhat confuses what she said. So what is she sensing? Is that even something you can tell us about? Or is that something we're supposed to learn as the books go on? Okay, I can give you an answer to this. Uh, it's a, a, a lightning round answer. It's very simple. It's very succinct. Uh, and that answer is, oh. They never quite that response. They never quite explain it in the book how she knows that that these kids, one of them is the dragon reborn, but she just kind of does. I've always chalked it up into my in my head as uh we had talked about Taviran a couple times, uh, you know, and how they wrap people's lives around them in the pattern. And I always just kind of chalked it up to she would feel the Taviran pull when when she got to the right one because she's already connected because she's one of the only people who knows that the dragon has been reborn. So she'll feel that Taviran pull when she's near the dragon. That's my own personal theory that I've always felt. I don't know that that is true. Well, and the interesting idea of the fact, like in watching again, the first episode, uh, there's there's so much. I When I rewatched everything, the first episode is the one I picked up more stuff from. Right. So for this, I'm I'm talking a lot about the first episode, but watching her get ready and we see her wrap the relic that we have no clue what it is until yeah. like the seventh episode. And so seeing her do that now, is there a pull that knowing her connection in the weave that she's going to be the person to hand the dragon that item 
is there some like knowledge of I know I'm going to have my place next to the dragon at that moment. So is there a connection? That's why I just kind of was trying to understand that. I wonder if she's a Taviran at, at this point. Uh, no, I, I can I can decidedly say no. As as Pat and Fane said in in the last episode, you know, there's usually one or two maximum in a generation. Like in a hundred year time span, you'll see one or two Taviran, and they might just be actively Taviran for a very short period of time. There, you know, uh, Taviran is a thing that can like turn on and off. And it's just crucial to the weave, right? Yeah, yeah. But but maybe she can sense Taviran. Yeah, I was yeah. gonna say maybe that first one just wasn't even a Taviran. Yeah. Like it's a guy who can channel, but oh no, that's not that's not the Dragon Reborn because he's not even a Taviran. So I wonder if that's something she trained to figure out because you mentioned that she was a novice when they figured out the. Yes, uh, but that is not a thing that one can train to do. Um, one can see Taviran, um, and uh, there are a few people in the world who can do that. Swan Sanchez is actually one of those people. Um, but it is a talent, not a thing that can be learned, just an innate talent, much like men's ability to see people's auras around people that tell their future. So presumably Swan told her these are the Taviran and they're here then. Because that's that, the talent that, that she has. That's kind of what I'm thinking, yeah. Because so we know that, that women cannot see men's channeling. But she walks into town and she looks directly at all four of them and says... That's the thing. There's something she sees. I don't think it's just Swan. I think she has some some tap to that. Yeah, because it's specific to that scene. Like you said, DW, the, the scene in the first episode where the, the supposed dragon is being gentled she said no that's not him so she has something and, and that might just be a change that they made for shortcutting in in the the tv show versus the books that moraine can see taviran or or whatever but you know the 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 long and short answer is i don't know how she knows for sure it never was sufficiently explained in the books hmm. maybe there's a terangrial that's like a compass for the dragon or something yeah there you go. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's the kind of thing that could exist. From from a bird related character, I believe his name was Sparrow. <laughs> <laughs> it could be as simple as the fact that he gave up without much of a fight. Uh-huh. No, there seems to be that moment that she like. That's what was getting me to think that it was something she feels because there's that moment she looks at him and she kind of goes off in a distance, like touches the source. No, that's not him. There's that she takes that moment to kind of like breathe in what's going on. It's not a quick like, no, that's not him. I looked, I saw that he doesn't fit the description kind of thing. He's not, he's not pinging her dragon dar. Yeah, it's, yeah, it seems like dragon dar maybe. No, oh, there we go. That would make me think that being able to sense Tavaran would make sense because we know that there are four of them in. The, like that's why she couldn't tell which one of them in the village it is. Yeah. Because they're all Tavaran and they're all born around the same time. And those are the two things that she needs to f- put together. And that, that makes sense. That, I mean, uh, Nynaeve is possibly a Tavaran. Yeah. Yeah. And she senses that for sure. So it makes sense that they shifted maybe that power from uh, the from Suwan to her instead for the show just to move things along and yeah. have it be easy you know, like, to understand. 
It, it could also be that as soon as that guy is still, then he's not the dragon. Because if he is, yeah, he really was the dragon. But yeah, oh, we're a little screwed now. Yeah. Nerdy point of order: uh, men are gentled, not stilled. Uh, but oh, dang it! Okay. Um, and right. um, and moving on uh, from that rabbit hole, uh, Siobhan and Axel both wanted to bring up a different rabbit hole. Um, I'll, I'll I'll let uh, the two of you kind of bring up what what you wanted to discuss there. So monsters, um, I particularly when I was just rewatching um, the introduction of the Trollocs, it struck me that everything about them f- uh, is a copy of the Brew monsters in uh, the Glorantha world setting that was invented by Greg Stafford back in the sixties. Um, he's the same age as Robert Jordan. Um, I have no idea if they have any connection. Um, the world that he created has, it goes through cycles of ages where pretty much at the end of each, everything ends and a new age begins. Like there's a lot of other connections in there, but particularly the man monster hybrid that reproduce out of, um, out of animals and yeah, just everything. They're the same. It's interesting. So that goes back to the uh, first episode. We had looked at that epi- that point where they showed the dragon fang in goats that had been killed, I guess. Right, right. So, uh, Ruark, was that them creating the Trollocs, or was that them leaving some special note for that us? Was my, my impression was when I saw that was at the... the- they had been burst open. So like, the yeah, Trollocs me too. Like the, the, the Trollocs us. were created and the fade was creating his Trollocs. I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and, and answer the, the questions here. Um, I think at some point we're going to do a full episode, just go deep, deep diving into the, the shadow spawn. Um, but just a uh, short, quick answer. No, that is not how Trollocs are born. Uh, those sheep were just probably eaten by the Trollocs and then left in that form. Uh, Trollocs, um, Trollocs do have <laughs> I, I a, liked the imagery of the, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, Trollocs yeah. do have a breeding population in the blight. Um, the, uh, we do not well, see. Well, there's a fem- disgusting thought. <laughs> yeah, we do not see female Trollocs because, uh, yeah. Not do an episode about that. We don't see female Trollocs, uh, ever because they're, they're treated like brood, uh, mares. Um, hmm. so they never leave the blight. Um, and, and that is where Trollocs come from. Well, that's interesting. So, yeah. so- I wanted to ask about Daddy Trollic. Oh man, (laughs) we hate each other very much. (laughs) Forced into a pit. Uh, Go ahead, Siobhan. So I also wanted to know about fades, because we know where the Trollocs come from. Right. So I wanted to know where fades come from. I watched the scene where the Trollocs are chasing them to the ferry. And then this fade rides up on a horse and you see the horse's hooves on the, the planks of the, the dock and it's uh-huh. got horseshoes on them. Like, why does a fade's horse have horseshoes? Wait a minute. Why does a fade have shoes? Why does a fade have clothes? Where are they getting their clothes from? Yeah. <laughs> <So> they, <laughs> one mark, question at a time. <laughs> <laughs> 
So yeah, I think getting into a lot of that, we will cover that in in a, a separate episode. Uh, we we will do a deep dive on on Shadow Spawn so that we get the answers that you want. Um, the the quartermasters and yeah. you know I get a ring wraith vibe off of them. I get yeah. a like they yeah. were somehow absolutely to this. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, that's where I'm so. coming from. I'm wondering if it's like you've been a very special good dark friend, you get a promotion. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, and the Forsaken as Wolf Ring Wraiths too. I'll I'll give you the very, very quick answer as to where fades come from is is uh they are evolutionary throwbacks of the Trolloc breeding program. Um every now and then, like one in a thousand, one in ten thousand, I don't know what the the actual number is. Uh Baby Trolloc comes out and has more of the original human DNA than the animal DNA, I guess, is is a way of putting it, and you know, are considered a throwback, and they are a fade. And, and they can tell because they don't have eyes. Exactly. And they look a lot more human than than the other Trollocs. Um, and, and there's another thing with fades there. Um, I'll just throw this out there. Uh, a fade in charge of a fist of Trollocs can create a mental link with those Trollocs, which means that it the Fade can now force those Trollocs to, to do things against their will, more or less. But at the same point, if you kill the Fade that has mentally linked with those Trollocs, all of those Trollocs will also die. Mm. Interesting. So there, there, there's a little bit of fun uh, Shadow Spawn lore to wet your whistle for that. Battlefield strategy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. A fist of Trollocs is a really, yeah, that, that's a disturbing that's a great, image. Yeah. That's a great term. <laughs> I don't want. I, I don't want that. No, it's the my very. See, so you haven't you haven't picked up the very nice uh, self help book, Fistful of Trollocs. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's that that the one that Clint Eastwood doesn't want you to see. <laughs> I was going to say, that was my favorite spaghetti western, Fistful of yes. Trollocs. <laughs> Ennio Morricone did a great score on that one. I kind of preferred the good, the fade, and the Trolloc myself. <laughs> <laughs> For a few uh, Tavir and more. A man called Trolloc. So uh, I wanted to bring up a couple times, I, I listened through all of our old episodes, and I wanted to bring up a couple times that you guys were just dead on uh, in, in, in your things. Uh, one. One, uh, when Tom sang his song, uh, The Man Who Can't Forget, and I asked you all who you thought that song was about, and then I told you all that song is about the dragon, and Samaria is the one who said, oh, I think that song's about Rand. (laughs) 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 Which, not wrong. Well done, Samaria. Well done. (laughs) Points. I wish she was here to take take the honor. Yeah. Um, uh, another one, David, this one, this one's a score in your column. Um, this was fairly early on. Uh, you, you actually understated this one a little bit. You said, you think that Nynaeve might be as powerful as an Aes Sedai. I, I, I think you may have understated that. I, I will point <laughs> out though, that I missed a bunch on that also, because I, <laughs> I know that I mentioned that she was using the one power a lot early on, which I don't yeah. think that's the case anymore. So, <laughs> I'll take maybe like three quarters of a point there. Okay. <laughs> Is there a prize at the end? Are we getting a like, <laughs> Who's keeping yes, score? It's another drink. <laughs> <laughs>
Y'all asked questions about the Omerlin seat when it, when the Omerlin first came up. Um, I just kind of let them go because there was a lot more things to cover in that episode, and I did not want to get too deep into the lore. Um, but questions were asked about uh, the Omerlin and and how one becomes the Omerlin and and uh, things along those lines. Uh, the Omerlin seat is is raised by a vote of the Hall of the Tower. Uh, so that's all of the sitters in the hall vote on who the next Omerlin will be. It's it's very Pope-like in the process. They like seal themselves away, have their vote. If their vote doesn't reach a threshold, they have an, they do more arguing, have another vote until an Omerlin is raised. And that's three seats per Aja, right? Yes, correct. Um, so that is how an Omerlin is raised. An Omerlin, much like a Pope, is for life. Um, so how do the, the Cardinals get elected and random the, the question sitters, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah that is that is uh within each aja they have their own okay well, that's kind of the senate makes sense yeah, yeah um so each aja decides their own sitters by whatever means they decide in their in their aja um and then the like i said the amerlin is for life uh much like the pope uh the question was asked can the amerlin be be uh impeached uh to which the answer is yes um much like uh, the Pope can be impeached. They won't ever admit the Pope was impeached, but, you know, the Pope can be impeached, and same goes for the Amerlin. Um, and uh, another question was asked, is the Amerlin ever... Uh, um, is a new ever new Amerlin ever come about by assassination, to which I would say uh, the, white, the official White Tower line is no. Uh, no Amerlin has ever uh, been assassinated in... The, in, in Propaganda are us. I love that as the official. Yeah, the yeah, official yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Their PR department has declared no. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, so just to clear up some questions that were raised during the season that that I did not get around to answering. Um, and uh, uh, DW, I know you had one more question. Uh, it was related to the madness, and we've seen the madness. manifests itself in different ways. For instance, our first exposure to it is we see a man who sees a man who isn't there. And we all had our theories of what that man represented and things like that. But the, and and the, the man was the, the fake man, the hallucination was trying to incite the person to fight. But we also saw that that person was not interested in fighting. They seemed to be willing to protect the person that was that they thought was there and were not even trying to attack the other people in an effort. They were pleading with them. So the madness hadn't necessarily made them a danger at that point, yet we still had the stillness. And then we see the, you know, uh, the one who thinks he's the dragon. Um, and, and the way his madness worked was we had two versions of people who were clearly not as hallucinatory they were more the magic itself, the source itself, talking on either shoulder to him. Right. And they were actually kind of being a little more manipulative in a, not just, well, attack them. It was a, no, this is somebody you can use to this. So is the, so my, my question is, do we have any way at this point, or should we even know at this point, how the madness was, the, the taint was added to the source for men by the dark one is it an intelligence that the dark one actually has the ability to tap into those people does it affect each person differently so some people will get schizophrenia some people will get you know something like how does it work yeah so uh quick answer to that it's it's 
um, as I said, it's just a taint. It is it is the dark one's taint, which is hilarious when you think about it. Um, and and it is the source of evil, and and so therefore this evil is just inherent in the in Sidene, uh, and as you use it and as it filters through you, it just kind of like breaks off in you and. In the books, anybody who has presented as as mad from from the taint, uh, it is presented differently uh, in in every okay. single case. So it, it it's not a here's a here's the symptoms that you're going to see. It's how is it going to affect this particular person and this particular brain? And, but the thing is, even if they aren't actively causing harm now it progressively gets worse over time and there will come a point where they won't know the difference between right and wrong or even what they are doing. And, and so essentially we're seeing people at different points. We're seeing somebody at the beginning of the series who has not yet been broken down by the madness. Yeah. And then when we see the, the uh, person who thinks of the dragon, I can't remember his name. Um, Logan. 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 When we see Logan, he's not necessarily, driven to that same I'm going to kill my own family madness but he's having his own version of madness I just I guess with both people I saw the fact that it seemed like there's a possible way to deal with the the madness and the connection to it other than stillness and or sorry the quieted which were they quieted or stilled <clears throat> still men are, gentle. Men are still quiet. Men, men, actually men are gentle men are, gentled. Women are still yeah. so rather than gentling him there seems like there might be ways to possibly reach them and maybe that's a problem that some people are like oh no i'm sure we can save them and other people are like no don't even try it's horrible so i don't know maybe i'm just going down my own well moraine says as much and i wonder if we're still going to find that out during the season because i mean obviously rand's going to end up with some level of the madness she says that the one power is mind over mat- matter, essentially. Like you can control it if you have enough mind power to do that. At least that's what I get out of what she says earlier in the season. And I don't know that we've seen the madness at the level that Rourke's talking about, where the dragon was, where he kills his own family because he just doesn't understand all of those cases where we've seen the madness, I don't think it's been to that level yet. But I kind of like the idea that it presents itself in different ways, because then we may see that, like, I, I guess the, the the option that I'm seeing is, as, you know, from the creative aspect of the show and the creative aspect of the books that we may get a chance to see is these people who are coming from overseas may have a different view of the madness and may have decided different ways of handling whoever is dealing with the madness as, okay, that person's no longer allowed to be a leader. We don't necessarily gentle them, but like, oh, this person, we don't need to do that to yet because their madness is not presenting itself in dangerous ways yet. We just keep it in check or something along those lines. I'm curious if we're going to see somebody who, who deals with the madness that way or we may see it from Rand, as you're mentioning. I don't know. I'm 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 curious how that's going to pan out and learn yeah, more about the madness. Definitely brings up the point of someone from a different land because I don't I don't mm. remember who what was. I think it was Shaban that brought up that there may be men on those ships driving the force, but we don't know that yet because they're from a different land, supposedly. I, I have to admit, I have a huge issue with the way that men who can channel are treated um, by the Aes Sedai because 
it's an innate ability. It's not something they go out and seek. Yeah. If they are a channeler, that's not something they necessarily have a choice in. So you may have to gentle them in order to save them and to save the world from the effects. But that, you know, like throwing vegetables, people (laughs) is kind of beyond the pale. (laughs) But to play to your, to play to your idea there, they've already set it up as possibly a bad thing in the fact that those men tend to go and kill themselves. So clearly gentling may not actually be by the story, the best way to handle it. And I'm curious how that's going to play out. If there is another way to like either remove the madness or cause them to, you know, to gentle in a way that doesn't make them completely cut from the source and want to go kill themselves. Yeah. The show's done a really good job of showing that there's a second side to that. Like Tom's backstory was the biggest thing for me of him showing, Hey, this is the way that I saw this happen. And the Aes Sedai are kind of villains in my eyes because they've took this person from me even though they did nothing wrong, they were just naturally that way, as Shaban mentioned. Yeah, it, it, it brings up a lot of issues that are related to the way that, uh, you know, the criminal justice system works and the way mental health works in this world. You know, uh, exactly some of the things that they would do to people with schizophrenia, yep. you know, yeah. some of the people that some of the things that they do to habitual, you know, sexual offenders. And to a certain extent, yeah. it's pre-crime. And a certain extent, yeah, to, yeah, to, to yeah. bring in going, minority going reports. You know, yeah. like, it's pre-crime. They haven't actually done anything yet, a lot of these cases. It's just, oh, he's showed the ability. Let's cut him in the bud now in a way that's possibly going to get him to kill himself. Yeah. It seems like and, that's going to be a topic at some point that they're going to have to address. And, Absolutely. And, and speaking of that being a topic at some point, I, I think you're finding enough of a rabbit hole here that we can probably put that as a topic on an entire episode somewhere in the future. Uh, gotcha. Oh, yeah. gotcha. I, 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 I think we'll uh, we'll cut that. that Moral uh, little... ambiguity and mental health. In the yes. yes. <laughs> that's going to be a fun one. Yeah. Uh, but right now we're we're coming up on two hours. We're we're really putting in the the time on this one and i want to get to mailbag before we go so mailbag uh, mailbag Mailbag. um and uh our first one is from uh steven uh says hey ruark and panel i'm a longtime lord of the rings fan who discovered your podcast through watch party lord of the rings our sister podcast run by uh uh, michael and, and and jen He says, I want to reach out and say that I am absolutely loving both Wheel of Time and your podcast. Many people recommended I read Wheel of Time over the years, but I never managed to do so. And I see now that I was missing out on such an awesome series. I'm in love with the TV show and your podcast has added so much to it. Thank you so much for making it. Excellent. Um, I wanted to add my thoughts on the scene where Moraine talks to Loghain in the cage. My take on the scene, which I didn't think anyone on the panel raised, was that Moraine was simply playing for time. She's a spy who is very good at subterfuge, and she knew she couldn't take him on on her own. So she walked in calmly and kept him talking by to buy her sister's time to recover so that they could take him out together. I could be completely wrong, but that's how it seemed to play out for me. Uh, that's a that's a good take. Interesting yeah. take, yeah. Really yeah. good take, yeah. Valid. Um, then he says, goes on to say, uh, I've got a couple questions. Uh, is it safe to read book one now if I want to avoid show spoilers, or should I wait and watch the whole show before opening the books? Uh, and, and this is a good question that I think a lot of the, the listeners are going to have, and I'm going to say I would probably wait to read the books until the show is done. 
at this point. Uh, the books in the show are different enough that reading the books while trying to watch the show at the same time is probably going to be kind of confusing and you're probably going to get spoilers because they are moving things around in the timeline. Uh, so like for instance, this first, first season, they have, um, most of book one parts of book two and a couple things out of book three. Um, and next season, I know that we're going to see more parts of book one that did not make it into this season, as well as parts of book three, probably parts of book two, maybe parts of book four, who knows? So it's not like game of Thrones where it was one season per book. Yeah. So, so I I can't say, you know, yeah, you can go out and read book one now because part of that might still be coming next season. So I would say, wait till the, the TV show is done until to read the books, or I will try to keep an eye out for a point in the TV show where reading a book would not give anything away and, and maybe bring that up and, and let people know that, that you can start reading now. Um, Ooh, our biggest selling point now. We are the keepers yeah. <laughs> of when to start reading the books. <laughs> not to be gatekeepers or anything, but gatekeeping. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then uh, the second question is, is there a book free, a book spoiler free resource online I can use when checking things out about the show? I'm afraid of Googling anything relating to Wheel of Time, so I don't want to go looking and accidentally see spoilers. Um and, and brings up a few examples of things that, that he'd like to look into, but doesn't want to Google. And I'm going to say right now, don't Google any of that. D- trust me, don't Google any of that. Uh, <laughs> yes. Just listen uh, to us. Listen yeah. to us. We're the only safe haven out there on the internet. Yeah, I, I, I'm looking at, at, at the things you want to Google. Don't, no, just don't. Um, <laughs> they're... Like I said in episode one, Google is not your friend. These books, they've been out for, you know, in the case of the first book, 30 years at this point. Um, the series itself as a whole has been completed for over for about a decade now. It, you know, the the fandom is rabid and the the information is in a lot of places on Google. And if you Google anything, you are going to end up with a spoiler. I guarantee it. So ignorance is bliss. Yeah. Uh, so, so stick with this podcast. If you have questions, send them into the podcast, uh, watch party, at gmail.com. You can send those questions in here and I will answer them for you. Uh, spoiler free up to the point that we're at. And, and if that means I cannot answer it at all, I will tell you that. Uh, but yeah, send those questions in, use, use me as a resource in, in this case, if you're a, a person who is watching the show and does not want book spoilers. We love our filter Rourke. Um, and then uh, we have another uh, mail in the mailbag. This is from uh, our friend Molly. Um, and Molly just wants to say thanks. Uh, uh, Molly works at a nuclear power plant walking fire to her. Uh, so she has no interaction, uh, walking up and down many stairs, past a lot of machinery and high temperatures, seven days a week, eight tours a day, one tour every hour. Um, so after watching the season of the show in its entirety, she had questions and uh, needed voids filled. So, and she found us. So uh, she says, I started listening on every tour and you were my sense of my sense of human. Um, I don't know if that means we're her kind of human or if we have her kind of sense of humor. I think her auto carrot got away from her there, but uh, yeah. Um, Either works. Yeah, I think it was uh, we were her connection to a human during that time. Yeah, of not oh, well, yeah. yeah, that, yeah. That's good. happy to help, yeah. Molly. 
Yes, uh, as long as we don't have to be in the nuclear facility. We're just worried not all of us constitute ourselves as humans. Uh, so us being your human is a little interesting, yeah. but you know, hey. <laughs> yeah, I, I think collectively we're about the level of Homer Simpson when it comes to that. I'm yeah. just yeah. I'm speaking for everybody. <laughs> we're I personally off am a meat not popsicle. being anywhere near that facility. So <laughs> thank you, Molly. Thank you, Molly. Uh, We're happy to help. <laughs> so Molly goes on to say, uh, you accompanied me through endless steps with all of your personalities, opinions, and facts. Not only did you educate, but you kept me company. So thank you all. Thank you, Molly. Uh, thanks, oh, Molly. We're happy thank to help. You. It's cool to hear. Yeah. Um, and she says, like the newbies, like y'all, um, she's never read the books, but she always wished she could uh, live a life in a corseted dress amongst castles. Uh, <laughs> she's a Potter fanatic uh, and likes Game of Thrones. And uh, she's noticed a few Harry Potter similes her herself prior to listening. Um, and she says, Wheel of Time instantly swept me off my feet. Uh, I think. She says, uh, with the story, the scenery, the characters, all the bits I needed clarified, your podcast and guru did just that. Awesome job, guys. And she says, if you ever need a new voice, sign me up. I'd like to uh, to sit in. And <laughs> I wanted, I, I'm glad that she said that because uh, I have been talking with Michael, uh, uh, one of our benefactors from Watch Party International. And uh, we've been talking about what we can do to do uh, um uh, start doing a Patreon and, and uh, getting some Patreon content. And one of the things we had talked about is possibly getting fans of the show to sit in on episodes of the show. So yeah, that, yeah, that we can do that. I like that'd it. Be, that'd be great. So, so thank you for, for offering that Molly that now that we know that that's something that people might be interested in doing, uh, look forward to that. And, and uh, maybe you might be our first, uh, first guest. I was going to say Molly got herself on the list early. Good job. Yeah, really? Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, after I got that, that message from Molly, I sent a message back to her, um, and I sent it through Michael's account. That that's the funny thing. So she probably thinks my name is Michael when it's not. Uh, but uh, I, I I sent a message to Molly and just asked uh, uh, where Molly had heard of us because I'm just wondering, you know, where people are finding out. And it turns out Molly just watched the TV show, loved the TV show, wanted to find out more, went to Spotify, did a search for Wheel of Time TV show, found us, and fell in love. So nice. cool. Wow. Yeah. So sometimes so, the algorithm works. <laughs> yeah. So we're we're getting just organically new new members at this point. It's it's not just me and my Facebook group. It's not just, just my mom pumping people. To this. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Don't stop so, recommending. Uh, by the way, we still like those. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Keep keep recommending. Keep uh, giving those those five star reviews. Uh, uh, give us reviews on on Apple and on uh, Spotify if you can. Uh, those really help us out. And speaking of reviews, uh, we do have a few uh, people who reviewed us on Apple, gave us some five-star reviews. Uh, just say thank you to Jafardi, uh, to Chandra, who I believe we read a letter from last week, and fr from uh, Svenbark. Nice. All left very, very nice reviews for us on Apple. Uh, thank, thank you, you all very, very much. Guys. Thank very, you very, very much. much. Thank you. Yes. Um, and... Uh, one other review um, I want to bring up. Yeah, I, I uh, after 
after that last episode, I, I, until I talked to you guys, I was actually a little, little out of sorts because it was different enough from the books and they'd changed just a few things enough that it kind of bothered me. And, and I wasn't sure how I, how I felt about it. And I felt so good about the entire season up until that point. And then, but yeah. And then I, I just thought, no, I'm not going to say anything about it to anyone. I'm just going to kind of sit on this and think about it and, and think about why I feel that way. And I'm going to wait until I talk to you guys. And, and we recorded our episode and, and somewhere in that episode, I said, you know, somebody asked me, how do you feel about this? Knowing that things had changed. And I said, actually, I love it. I, I love the fact that I, there's, there's new wheel of time content that I have to wait for to find out what's going to happen. I haven't had that in, in a decade and, it, and it's amazing. And you guys really brought me around on that in, and, and I feel like you've done that for a lot of other people. I want to say once again, thank you all for that, for giving us your fresh eyes, letting us see through your fresh eyes. You, you, I, I, I love this world so much and I'm not sure I would have loved the show as much as I do if I wasn't watching it with you. So thank you so much. Thank you for filling in the gaps without spoiling for us because I, I find that the information that we get from this podcast makes viewing so much more involved and so much more intelligent because more three dimensional. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Some people have the Amazon X-ray. We have Ruark. Absolutely. <laughs> we click on Ruark. We get information. <laughs> and I do have to say my optometrist might disagree with you in terms of fresh eyes, but it's a very, the sentiment is appreciated. I will say that I would have, you know, in knowing that this show is coming out and knowing, you know, from my, my uh, knowing Ruark, how excited they've been about this. Um, I was really kind of hoping to do something like this, just even if there wasn't a podcast. I probably would have been checking in with you after every episode, being like, let's <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I want to hear your take on it. Yeah. So to a certain extent, also, as much as you say how how it's helped you, I think, you know, speaking as much as I can for the panel, to correct me if I'm wrong, having you and, and hearing your responses to things has also fueled us. And, you know, like I said, I would have done this even if there wasn't a podcast. Thank you all listening for coming along with us on this. But I'm pretty sure this pretty much would have been the conversations on a phone. And it just would have been the two of us. I'm happy to have met everybody else on this panel. I knew nobody else on this panel except for now currently Madeline, who's visiting us (laughs) with us today. Absolutely. But I knew nobody on this panel beforehand. And so this has been an interesting journey of getting to know everybody and sharing. We come from total different geek walks of life, yet all kind of vaguely the same geek walks of life. (laughs) And it's been amazing like ha- having that that camaraderie and being able to share that around every single one of you. So Mario, we miss you. You yes. are included yes. in on this. Yes, This has Absolutely. been a fantastic group to be a part of. So thank you for including us. And, and agreed, I just want to jump in there because you you made that sound very final. Like, like we're not coming back. But no, oh, no, we're, no we're, we're coming back. We're, we're coming <laughs> back. We, we've we've still got more final. episodes to do. Don't, don't no, worry no, about this, that. This, yeah. this is the drunken <laughs> sentimentality section yeah, of yeah. the podcast. <laughs> I love you guys. Well, I love you guys so much. I have to say Rorark's opinion of the changes that have been made have probably made other people's opinions change as well, because I have one of my wife's cousins. um, I've talked with them about 
the show and they're a book reader as well. And I've kind of said, okay, but don't spoil me. And they've expressed that their biggest issue with the show is some of the changes that they've made. And I said, okay, my friend is the biggest fan you will find out there. And here's their opinion. And that opinion has kind of made them go, oh, yeah, you're probably right about that of, hey, I get to experience these things anew. I get to have Wheel of Time content that I've never had before. And that's awesome to me. Well, as we went, every time I'd see somebody start being like, oh, and I love the books and I'm so mad at what they're doing. I'm like, just give a listen to our podcast just to see if it if it cures anything for you. Just see if it helps. <laughs> And, and, and I, I said it at the top of the episode, but the, a lot of people have written in and, and have talked to me online saying that very thing that, that our podcast helped them come to terms with, with their, their book reader issues and start seeing it with fresh eyes. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I, I think we hit the mark that we were, we were shooting for exactly. And that, that that's a good lesson to people out there. You know, yeah. if you're a longtime fan of something and there's a new version of it, say you're an old Marvel fan or DC fan and a movie comes out and you don't like the way that it's handled because it's not, you talk to people who haven't read the books. They could have a completely different take on it and get completely different things out of it. It, yeah, it goes through everything. You know, it, 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 this is a genre onto itself. And thank you, Rourke, for coming up with this and inviting us along on the journey. This is awesome. Thank you all. I have to give a shout out to our resident secret keeper because they have gotten a Facebook message from the actor who played Uno and in one of their uh, <laughs> boards and, and pointing them out specifically uh, and how much yeah. that was I, I, appreciated I, 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 I and loved. That. That's so awesome. Yeah, I, I, I was about to bring that up actually. Um, so I, it wasn't a message. It was just a like just oh, okay. Well, not, that's not, still that's wonderful. That's I can say that. Um, yeah. I, 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 I was. I, <laughs> there was much, I, there was much yes. squeeling in the. Uh, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Ong squee is, uh, I think, uh, the general yeah. consensus here. Um, I, I think the the uh, actually, I was mentioned in a message to somebody else, not by name, but but by association. Uh, so you, you know, I can say Uno knows of my existence. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, they are listening I, I, as well. Yeah. So I, yes. I, 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 that that whole heartfelt thing that I said to you guys earlier about uh, I wasn't sure about the last episode, and it wasn't until after I talked to you guys that I felt wonderful about that episode. And I made a post about that in one of my Wheel of Time groups online, and uh, um, Guy Roberts, who plays Uno, unbeknownst to me, was in the group and liked my post, and now. I can say that Guy Roberts is aware of our podcast and 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 I'm I don't think that it's too much to say that he is probably our number one fan. Um, <laughs> Go Uno. Yes, we yes. want to see would, more of you. Would that not be yes, numero Uno guy. fan? Yes. <laughs> yes. I would put forward yes. we have been talking so well about Uno and our desire to have Uno back yes. before we even knew that this was the connection. <laughs> Just putting it out there. This was not, you know, egg and chicken kind of thing. We loved Uno before we even knew. We are so happy for Ruark as our secret keeper and as the moderator of these wonderful panels that have no doubt helped our uh, 
skyrocket our fanship for this podcast oh a- absolutely and and in that vein i want to say thank you uh right now to the wheel of time tv series group yes. uh, where i have been a moderator for several years now and the rest of the moderator crew there i want to say i love all of you guys because uh you know we have a big group and we have a wonderful group going and and the people in that group love us and the people in that group love this podcast so and, and thank you all to join that group <laughs> <laughs> None of us are. Uh, nor are we. We're, we're just we're, we're meant to be kept in our uh, in our blissful ignorance. We suffer in silence, sterile, as sterile uh, bubble. Greg said <laughs> a few episodes ago. We won't be infected by you book readers. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and with that, I think we're going to wrap up. So uh, let's wrap up the uh, number one podcast recommended by Uno. Uh, that yeah. would be <laughs> our podcast. Um, Unofficial endorsement. So as on a complete segue from that, we are, of course, interested in having guest stars appearing on the show. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Anybody that that <laughs> might be. That so, was celebrity guest stars are even better. An yeah. offer. Yeah. A, like, <laughs> are you in some way insinuating that these two things are connected? I hadn't. All right. Clutching my purse uh, as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll we'll call that the episode. Uh, we want to say thanks, like always, to Michael and Jen at the Secret Island headquarters, uh, Watch Party Secret Island headquarters. We Watch love you, Michael Secret and Jen. Much Thank thanks. you. And, of course, huge thanks it's to Jordan. It's your fault. <laughs> <laughs> and we say that with all the love in our hearts. <laughs> and all the liquor in our bellies. Uh, uh, huge thanks to Jordan Rennells, who is uh, our audio engineer uh, and has made us sound way better than we actually sound this whole season. We love you, Jordan. Right, Jordan. Jordan. Superpowers. And remember the, that uh, our, our sponsor, 4Cats Boutique on Etsy, that's for cats with a K boutique for cats boutique that is owned by Jordan. So one more little plug there for you again, Bo, go buy something. Yes. And a final word from our cat, from our uh, uh, crew here. Uh, What object, what prop would you want to take home from the set? Well, I want that Shadar Goth blade. Ah, you took my answer. Damn it. (laughs) See, I was I was going back and forth. I collect steel, and I was going back and forth between do I want the Shadar Lagoth or do I want Tom's blades? And I've decided I want Tom's jacket. Oh, <laughs> yes. Oh, Just for the cosplay alone, because you don't want to yeah. have to make your own. It's not going to fit me, but I want Agomar's jacket so bad. Oh. oh <laughs> so boss. I love that. I want a bird on my back. So I don't want... Um, an object necessarily i want to be able to walk around in some of the cities ah yeah there you go i want to be able to walk the streets you want a set visit i do very much even if it's a virtual set hey just set in 3ds hint hint to the virtual team (laughs) (laughs) i want i want to take bella home with me (laughs) (laughs) everybody wants a dragon with them <laughs> exactly, Madeline. What? What's your idea? Uh, a couple of warders. 